Man, I've just been feeling over the last several weeks, you know, a couple, a few Sundays ago, we just, we just worshiped the entire service, and uh, God just, just told me, he said, uh, y'all worship more, and you preach less, That's what I felt in my spirit, and some of you said amen, um, but uh, yeah, we just want to sing worship, we're just going to worship our ways through this season, this season of life, and uh, man, it felt good this morning, uh, I could do another set of those songs and just worship him again. I have nothing better to do, honest, than to just praise him for all he's done in my life. Um, today we're finishing up our We Are at War series. This was the sermon I was going to preach that Sunday morning, and uh, you should be thankful it's uh, totally different now, and so maybe God just didn't want me to preach what was on my heart at that point, and as I stated this week, it, it's going to be different, but we're wrapping up this series on spiritual warfare from Ephesians chapter 6, where where Paul lays out this truth and that the struggle in life is real, that as believers, followers of Christ, there 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 are there's spiritual enemy that's fighting against us, and we don't fight with flesh and blood, but we fight uh, an enemy who is a spiritual nature, and that he comes into our life, and that that he he gives us all this list of things to to put on as the armor. If you've missed those sermons, I'd encourage you to go back and and listen to those and get caught up. We're not going to go all through it this morning. We just don't have time. But today, the most important one, I think it feels like, because it's the only one that is really a weapon. It's the only one that's about offense. It feels like all these other pieces, it's like we're, we're reacting and we're just defending and we're, we're being attacked. And here, this, we're going to talk about this morning the, the one piece of the armor that is about offense. It's about you not being attacked, but you going uh, on the offense and going to war with Christ. Not against Christ, but joining him in this battle. And, uh, and so we're going to talk about the, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Anybody in here who can remember a, uh, a story or a book you read in high school? Anybody remember? And some of you said, I didn't read anything in high school. Uh, can you throw one out, though, something you read in high school? pops in when I say high school, you read this book or story. Who's got one? Anybody? You don't remember? Caden? The Road. Moby Dick. Huckleberry Finn. Gone with the Wind? Any more? What was it? Mutiny on the Bounty. All right. You know what mine was? You know what comes to mind when I think about high school? is a book called Walden. Anybody ever heard of this book? Is it Henry David Thoreau? And uh, I remember maybe a junior, senior, and, and I read this, this story, this book, and I really didn't read much else in that class, but for some reason I, I read that one. And, um, and, and it, it did something to me. It changed. It, it, made me, it made me think about life differently. And even though I'd gone to church my whole life, and I, I, I'd... I'd seen the Bible, and I heard the Bible, and I read the Bible. Uh, I, I, this, this something sparked inside of me, and, and when you read about what someone said about the book, uh, they talk about it like this. It talks about the need for spiritual awakening. Spiritual awakening is the way to find and realize the truths of life, which are often buried under the mounds of daily affairs. Thoreau holds the spiritual awakening to be a quintessential component of life. It is the source from which all the other themes flow. I could talk about, he's got a little thing he wrote about it. He went to the woods and 
He wanted to live deliberately and try to find out what the true source, the, 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 if you boil it all down, what is life, why is life, what's the purpose of it, if I get out of my busyness. And he, he goes out and he lives in this cabin on a pond for over a year, I think. And so this book, it opened up for me deep questions about life, deep spiritual questions. Well, what is life? Why is life? Fortunately, the book left me unfilled in that, right? I didn't find it in Walden, but it put me kind of on this, this journey over the next few years in college of just seeking and sorting and saying, what is this? Why are we here? What are the, the, the deep truths? And, and why am I here? And what's my purpose? And deep questions of the soul. It's kind of like, you remember this, uh, uh, that, that, that Walden, it was a, a, I mean, it's a hard read. A lot of words I'd have to look up, and, you know, it's not like fun, pleasure reading. Uh, he, I think he just wrote to hear himself, like, see, I knew that word. Um, and, and so it's not an easy read, but it, it, didn't, it didn't actually come alive to me. You remember, what about this guy? Y'all remember this guy? Some of my generation saying, Never Ending Story is a movie I loved as a kid. This kid got this book, and he would go into the attic, and he would open it up, and when he would start to read it, he would disappear and become a part of the story. It was like it was alive. And I realized, though, though I found these deep questions in Walden, it never came alive. And other books I would read never came alive until after I'd been married for some time. And, um, and I felt God working in my life, calling me maybe into ministry. And I went and bought a Bible, a study Bible. And up until this point, I mean, I, I was agnostic at best, probably an atheist at some point. I was in college and I had a lot of atheist professors that asked a lot of questions and got me thinking about all kinds of stuff. But I opened this book and I began to read it, not, not in a way that it's an intellectual exercise, but to let it come alive. And I began to read in the notes and study and dig deeper and not just take it at its surface and not just be going through some, some exercise of reading another piece of literature, but like, what is really here? And I remember as I began to read, it became alive to me. I remember telling Bethany, my wife, I was like, man, I think, and this was, you know, I, I, I was not a pastor. You would have never dreamed I would ever be a pastor. This was 20 years ago almost. I remember saying, I think I'm going to be a pastor. And they're saying, okay. I was like, why did you say okay? That makes no sense. You're supposed to be like, you've lost your mind. And I was like, I don't want to be. But for some reason, when I read this, it comes alive to me. And what I thought were contradictions and I thought I could poke holes in, when I really study and I put my mind to work, it all makes perfect sense. And it's all full of deep truths. One atheist said it like this. He said, uh, he said I, after reading the Bible, he said, all I know is whoever, uh, who, whoever made my heart wrote that book. Whoever made my heart wrote that book. And, and so I found that, that, that this book, it's more than just a, a collection of words of different authors, that it is a living and a powerful weapon, <laughs> okay? 
And so we're going to spend a little bit of time today saying, what does that mean? What does Paul mean when he says, take up the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God? What does that mean? That's what he says, right, in Ephesians 6, 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I want to really rest here on this verse today because we, we get the, the direction from Paul in Ephesians, take up the word of God. We get some more guidance on here at Hebrews 4.12. Well, what is the word of God? What's that mean? And, and well, how does that apply to our life? How do I take it up? You know, some of you took it up this morning and brought it with you. It was closed. Is that taking it up? You know, what does it mean to take up the word of God and, and, and go, go to war in this spiritual warfare that we're fighting. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. As we think about the word of God, I want you, I want you, I want you to know... It, it, if you don't get what I'm trying to say today, you're not going to find your life changing and becoming more and more Christ-like. If you feel like you're stuck and you're like, man, I'm just in this rut and, 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 and I just can't get closer to God, this is probably why what we're going to talk about here today you will not mature spiritually and you will struggle and if you if you write one thing down today if you leave with one thought in mind what, what's the bottom line what i want to talk about today i want to just say this a bible that collects dust cannot change a life okay i want you to just settle in that with me just for a minute a bible that collects dust cannot change a life. I want you to realize that in this are the things you need to fight against your nature, your temptation to have a bad temper, your, your sexual, your lust for power, all these things that are in your nature that you struggle with here. The truth you need to confront the lies that the culture throws at you. The truth you need to confront the lies that come from out of you that says you're not good enough, that says nobody cares, that tells you you're all alone and nobody will ever, like all those lies that you need, you're going to hear, you, you're going to find the truth that pushes back against those right here. And, and unfortunately, coming to church on Sunday morning isn't enough. Isn't enough to get the amount of word of God you need in your life to grow spiritually. It's just not enough. And especially if you're coming here, you're going to be mediocre for me what you get. So, a Bible that collects dust cannot change a life. I, I want to say first that, that uh, just a few things to get out of this one verse. One is that this is what really God put on my heart between the what I was going to preach last time to this time. Because when you think about taking up a sword, you're thinking about going to fight, right? So you're thinking, man, I need that Hobby Lobby verse that hits just right when the enemy comes, and I'm going to use that one just like this little thing is one little sword. And, and, and what, I, what I gathered and what, what God put in my heart over this last week as I was studying is like, no, it, it's bigger than that. 
This is about us as believers being in deep relationship with His Word. And that actually it's not really meant first to be used against someone, and this is the first point. It's meant first to be applied to ourselves. Oh man, that hit me different this week. Because we love to know somebody that's doing something wrong and go find that verse that puts them right in their place. All right? Give me that verse, Lord. They need it. My wife needs it. My husband needs it. My kids need it. I'm just going to, you should honor your parents. You know, whatever that verse, we're going to throw it at them. And unfortunately, this verse tells us this book, when you expose it to yourself, it actually opens up your most inner thoughts and desires. That before you can have the right heart to use the word and share it to someone else and pour it into someone else, you've got to let it be poured into you. You've got to take the word that is here and say, God, search my heart, search my innermost desires like a surgeon, right? Like a surgeon. It's meant first to be applied to ourselves. Second, it's more than words on a page, which I've said. Um, and I want you to, to understand that, and we find that here. It says it's alive. What's that mean? <laughs> What's that mean? It's alive. We're going to get up and run around? What do we got here? Only the King James Version runs around. It's the only one. Alive. Sorry, that didn't. That was wrong. It, it, it's alive and powerful. It is alive. Let me, let me, and, and I said that joke. Let me clarify. My heart is that the original Greek and Hebrew text of the, the word of God is inerrant, breathed, inspired by the word of God. I want you to understand that every English translation does its best and not all are perfect. And that you've got to do your own research and commentary around it to dig into what is really there. And so now that I've tried to fix that. <laughs> it's more than words on a page. The never-ending story, it was fascinating me as a kid. The Bible has fascinated me as an adult. That somehow when I read it, it becomes alive to me that, that I, I don't tend to think about other people. It, it immediately confronts me. That it immediately, I mean, it happens every Sunday, even on, on bad Sundays when I feel like I didn't do a great job preaching. Sometimes I feel like I did better than that. But every time I come off, if I've done enough to clearly just get, to the ver get out of the way and let you see what's here, somebody comes to me and says, that was for me. Because this is alive. It's not just, it's the one who made your heart wrote it. And so when it is applied, when you truly open your mind to hear it and understand it, it speaks directly to you. Alistair Begg said this, the word of God does the work of God through the spirit of God in the people of God. Let me, let me do that one more time. The word of God, this does the work of God through the Spirit of God in the people of God. It, 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 and I believe that to be true, and if we believe that to be true, 
with all the power that the Spirit has, this Word is part of how He works in you. So a Bible that collects dust cannot change a life. You're not giving the Holy Spirit the ammunition He needs to change and work inside of you. And so the more time you spend here, the more you're going to see yourself grow more and more like Christ. It's not just a collection of old stories and myths and and hyperbole, and, uh, 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 and I don't make the Bible come alive. No preacher makes the Bible come alive. Every preacher is alive because of the Bible, okay? And the Bible is alive in and of itself. And I just want to say this before we move on from more than words on a page. And if you're being challenged, if you're beginning to question, maybe you're in high school, maybe you're somewhere else in life, and you're starting to think, man, is all this real? Is this true? Is what I've heard my whole life? But I don't know. Seek it. Search it, man. Search it out. I'm going to tell you, there are incredibly intelligent people who have researched and researched, and they believe that this truly is, that they cannot, they cannot prove that it's not the Word of God. Like, this is the real deal. And I want you to believe it, not because I tell you to. I want you to believe it because you found it for yourself in relationship with God. But I've gone that journey. I've walked that walk. Archaeologists, historians, scientists, many will affirm and say, man, that book is different. <laughs> that book is different. I say also the truth inside is painful Right? Anybody had surgery before? Maybe you've had outpatient surgery, you were awake and they just numbed it, or maybe you've been put to sleep and had surgery. But you come out and when, the, when the, the pain relievers wear off, you're like, oh, what's that? That hurts. You see, but surgery, while it might be painful in the short term, is meant to be healing. And so you'll find truth in here that you'll read that will confront your deepest, darkest secrets that you're not telling anybody else. And they'll say, Jared, I know how you really feel about so-and-so. And there will be a moment of reflection and repentance where it hurts, where you're like, oh, God, you're right. You know me better than I know myself. But in the midst of that, we find the hope and healing of the gospel. That, that we might find at first this truth that, yes, we are all sinners and fallen from the grace of God. Like, we, we fall short of the glory of God, and we're, we're broken, and we're messes, and, man, it's hopeless. And we, we are born without hope to ever re reconcile a relationship with God because of the sin in our life. That's bad news. That's painful. It hurts. Thankfully, the Bible is centered around good news. The gospel, which is the good news of Jesus Christ, that even though we were sinners and while we were sinners, Christ died for us. That God sent his son so that whosoever would believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That Christ came, he was born, he fulfilled the law, he, he, he lived the perfect life we couldn't live, and he died the death we deserved for our sins, and then he was, he was risen, he, he, he conquered death. And the devil and hell, and he came back and, and was resurrected, something we could never do. And then all we got to do is believe it. All we have to do is believe him, and we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. Man, that's good news. It, while it might be painful at first, it's also, and more importantly, it's healing. It's alive. 
It says it's also powerful. Some translations say it's active. It's alive and powerful. It's alive and powerful. It is active. You know, some things can be alive and lazy. Any parents out here? Can't get an amen? I didn't know you were alive by the look of your room or your chore list. I can't even tell. Let me tell you, you open up this word and you invite it into your life, you're going to see things move. You're going to see things change. It is alive and it is powerful and it is active. It is, a, it is more than a, it is a two-edged sword. That means not, not, one side's not blunt. That means you're not going to pick a verse and be like, well, that one's not that good. They could have left it out. Every verse you find in here will cut like a two-edged sword if you spend long enough with it. I've spent eight years and most of that time preaching every Sunday through a book of the Bible. That meant I didn't skip verses. That meant I would come to a passage and I'd say, oh my Lord, if I, somebody invited me to go preach a Sunday, I'd never pick these four verses. Right? If I'm going to another church, these aren't the four ever in a million years I would pick to preach. And Monday I'd read them, and Tuesday I'd read them, and Wednesday I'd study them. By Thursday I was crying. Like Christ is in every inch of this book. Every verse matters. It cuts like a two-edged sword. And we say, so, so what do we, what do we? do with this what do we do with this as we get ready to close I want to read one more thing before we if we go alright I, I understand the living and the power of this word and its importance uh, you've been to a hotel or doctor's office found the Gideon Bible you ever read that passage in the front let me read it to you the Bible contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It's the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here paradise is restored, heaven opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good the design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. It is given you in life, will be opened at the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, reward the greatest labor, and will condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. Man, what beautiful words about a beautiful book. So what are we going to do with it? Read it. I'll start there. Start there. Let's read it. And I don't mean, and, and I think I want you to understand you can read it different ways. One, you can 
You can read it daily. You can also, but I would encourage you not to just read it because your mind can be gone, but you went through the practice and read it. I want you to really like pray verse by verse. I want you to study it. I want you to get a study Bible if you don't have one. Or at least uh, you can Google all kinds of commentaries. You can get on BibleGateway.com. Like there's access to resources that if preachers 100 years ago would have had access to, it would have been incredible. I don't know how they preached the sermons they preached. But you've got all that at your fingertips to understand what is the man who wrote, who wrote this book knows your heart. You have access to it, and, and we don't read it. Like, I can't give you enough on Sunday mornings. Because by Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, work's got you other places. Your mind's forgotten what I said Sunday. Like, I, I, I just want you to, to get a heart, and I want you to read. I want you to arm yourself and be prepared in the spiritual war if you feel like you're losing it's probably because you've laid the weapon down in here it'll confront your faults it'll speak against the lies that the enemy wants to tell you read the word I'm I'm gonna even go big time read the entire thing front to back have you ever read it from front to back this is a challenge, especially to me and Chris and Billy and Bethany, who started about a week and a half ago, and we're about a week behind. <laughs> part of it because Chris was on a mission trip, and the other part because Chris was on a mission trip. <laughs> it's two or three chapters a day, 10, 15 minutes. Read every word of this book. I I promise you read every word of this book in the next year, your life will be different at the end of it. Allow the Holy Spirit to work through it. Put it in your heart. Put it into your family. Put it into your marriage. Memorize it. Do more than the Hobby Lobby stuff. Like Actually get in a relationship with the Word of God. Don't read it as an intellectual exercise. Read it with an open mind to God and His Spirit to fill your life with truth that's in it. Apply it to yourself first. So read it. James 1.22 says don't just hear it or read it though. It says be doers of the word. And so I, w- I would encourage you read it and then respond to it. Look in every verse and say God how does that apply to my life? How do you want me to respond to that? And I want to do that. I want to be more and more like you. I want to give in. I want to trust you. And then I'll say, share the word. You're going to read the word. You're going to respond to it. And you never grow more than when you start sharing it. And I don't mean just throw a verse at the person checking you out at double quick. I mean getting real relationships with people. Have real conversations about life and how the Bible applies to it and teach them. Even if they're believers or unbelievers, get in relationship and begin to share the word. Share it with your kids. Nobody can disciple your kids like you can. Chris and Billy doing all they can. Man, incredible things. They get an hour with them a week. Okay? Nobody can disciple your kids like you can. Share the word. I got a good friend named uh, Edgar... Saberito, he's from Spain. Grew up in a house, had a Bible like you and me on the coffee table. His whole life it was there. 
in a language he couldn't read. Was an adult before he'd ever had a Bible that he could read. Before it was ever more than just a paperweight or a decoration. And he married his wife, they live in Lexington. He met his wife, who was a faithful believer, and she began to, to invite him to church and got him a Bible that, that he could read and started to share the gospel. And it came alive to him. Can you imagine? We live in the Bible Belt. We hear all about the Bible. It's everywhere around us. We get it on all our phones. It's all right there. And yet we just let it gather dust. If you want to not be stuck, if you want to make progress against the battle line that the enemy has set against you and your family and your marriage and your kids, if, if, you, want to, if you want to change your thought patterns, if you want to overcome uh, uh, your bitterness or an addiction, if, if, if you really want to control your temper, if you want to control your lust for power and money and sex and all the things that come at us from the enemy, just dust off your Bible. Dust off your Bible and allow the Word of God to do the work of God through the Spirit of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words, this reminder that you've got a message for us. You didn't create us and leave us on an island and on a planet without some communication. God, you've spoken to us through these words. And I'm so sorry so many times we've ignored them. Thought they were just a part of some religion that we do. Or that we're a part of. Or the, the times we, we just didn't have time and we thought other things were more important than hearing from the one who made us. And, and God, we just pray you put another fire in our hearts. God, to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If we we're going to fight the spiritual battle that we're all in, we all got to have our swords and we've got to be armed and we've got to be ready with them. God, if there's anybody in here this morning that, 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 that may not be a believer, God, it's so simple. And, and maybe the fact of the, the, the Bible, maybe that's the thing that, that's cast doubt on them, but you tell us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, that, that here in this scripture we find the truth of the gospel and that it's like a grenade with a pin pull when we share the truth of your word, that the Holy Spirit begins to do a work in the heart of mankind and that work draws men to repentance and surrender and put all their trust in Jesus Christ. If there's someone here today that's never done that, God, we pray that you just draw them to you. Change their lives their hearts to your